Massacre three. <laughs> You're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and this is where I'll always be inside your butt, giving you powers. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone, and Corky, I do have a little correction from your intro. This is not the st- the Dare Daniel podcast. Hmm. January to September, November to December, you better believe it's the Dare Daniel podcast, but in October, it transforms into something absolutely hideous and monstrous. It's called the Scare Daniel podcast. It's October. It's Scare Daniel season. You know what? Fire me from the podcast, Dan, because that is just an egregious mistake on my behalf. That's that's the idea. That's the idea. And now you've just you're you're just setting yourself up for it. Apply you with alcohol. <laughs> slow, uh, slow, steady dip in competence, and then just uh, the heave ho. That's I'm saving that for episode 100, though. I want it's, I want it to be special. <laughs> on this scary, absolutely terrifying episode of the show we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine and then we review and rate them using our unique and uniquely scary system run-of-the-mill bad film we'll rate that a dare or a scare Uh (laughs) uh-oh the fun has already started folks right double scare to those truly atrocious movies and the reserve the hallowed the absolutely worldwide respected, adorned. It's it's won medals. Uh, it did fantastic this year uh, in Tokyo. The reverse dare. It's for those despised movies that are actually, you know, pretty good. Today on the podcast, we are kicking off the fourth annual Scare Daniel series with a review of the 2015 horror satire Dude Bro Party Massacre Three. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners, but before we get started, we're going to cock cast. You got it right. So, Corky, um, you know, little peek behind the scenes. I am a college graduate. Mm. Uh, go Hornets. Stingers up. My nice. stingers up, baby. Uh, but I did not pledge a frat. Was not part of a frat. Did not have that experience. But if this movie's anything to go on, and I have to believe it, it uh, is is telling us the honest, unvarnished truth. That's just the weird the... thing is, Dan, I pledged a frat, but I didn't go to college. So figure that think, shit out. No, I think you had the right idea. I think yeah. you had the right idea. More of a Bluto Blutarski kind of a, an aesthetic. That's it. Yeah. Um, but if this movie is to be believed, and it is almost basically a documentary, um, I believe that if you were to show up at a frat party with a bunch of dude bros mm-hmm. who were all crushing the cheapest beer they could find from sure. Red Solo Cups, I got to believe that bringing a drink that requires you to mix two spirits, two liqueurs, three types of bitters... Fresh squeezed lime juice and several other elements would be considered something of a party foul in that context. I got to think so. Sure. Yeah. So, Corky, I give you the dude bro party foul, bro. This is Blanco tequila, a tiny bit of jalapeno infused Blanco tequila. It's got a good amount of Aperol, which is an Italian liqueur, Cointreau, lime juice, agave nectar. I got three kinds of bitters in there, Angostura orange, and I have Fuego bitters from El Wapo. And it is topped with club soda to give it a little bit of a spritzy element. It's almost like a, a combination of a margarita with an Aperol spritz. Quirky, yeah. your thoughts? Uh, well, being both a dude and a bro, yeah, uh, I will say that this gives me that nice punch in the throat that both mm-hmm. dudes and bros are known to do. <laughs> uh, 
Boy, w- right when you said that jalapeno infused, I was like, yep, that's what that is. Okay. There we go. Okay. There we but go. I, I got to say the spritz on the top, that's the piece de resistance. I love that. It's a nice little bit. And the Aperol kind of gives it a red, sort almost a kind of sanguine sort of a color. It looks a little bloody, as is appropriate for this movie. Uh, yeah, it's a good drink. I For my birthday, my beautiful wife, Darcy, took me to Alora, mm. which is one of the great restaurants here in our fair city of Sacramento. And I had a cocktail there that had tequila and Aperol in it. Um, and so I kind of decided to play around with it for this week's cockcast. And of course, I will put the recipe for the cocktail on the post for the show so you can make it at home. Corky, dares. Uh-huh. We've said it before. I'll say it again. They contain nutrients that you and I need to live. During Scare Daniel, these are the brains for our zombie selves. Absolutely. We can't walk the earth harvesting mm-hmm. parts of you without these dares, honestly. No. honestly. Let us harvest you, people. <laughs> Why can't we harvest you? Why are you being a dick? <laughs> Speaking of people who are not dicks, how about our boy Julio? Hey. From the Contrarians podcast. What do you got for Julio is always just bringing some good dares to he us. He does. He does. He, and he brings us the, the shit he hates. So he's like, yeah, commiserate with me. I bu- Was Julio Christmas with the Cranks, wasn't it? Christmas he? with the Cranks, yeah. yeah. A personal favorite episode of mine. Go, go and listen to that one. It's really good. What do you got for us, Julio, from the Contrarians? He's got for us Spree. This is a 2020 film. I think it's available on Netflix. Directed and co-written by Eugene Kotliarenko. It stars Joe Keery, Sashir Zameda, and Misha Barton. Why? Do you want us to watch this spree, Julio? He says, Steve from Stranger Things goes on a murderous rampage as he drives an Uber, sorry, a spree, and tries to become a successful influencer. There's a way to take this concept and use it to provide insightful commentary about Gen Z's relationship with social media, all while providing the thrills of a modern slasher, but this movie ain't it. Am I wrong? (laughs) You guys tell me. Bonus points for including a lackluster David Arquette cameo. Those four words, you are just, you are playing the music that only I can hear, man. Lackluster David Arquette cameo, sold. But no bonus points at all are ever awarded for that. I will never, I won't accept them. I refuse to uh, accept them. Unless he gets killed and then, okay, you you did the dipsy doodle on us. (laughs) IMDb synopsis of Spree, thirsty for a following, Kurt Kunkel there's a movie name, if ever there was one. You know, Kurt right? Kunkel is a rideshare driver who has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. Do you know this movie? Have you seen this movie, Quirky? It's called Spree. I, I have heard of the candy spree, which I am a big fan of. Sweet okay, and tart, but the, hard shell. The chewy, you like the chewy hard shell and not that kind of chalky spree, right? No, not the chalky yeah. spree. I like the chewy hard chewy shell. Chewy hard shell. We're there. I've if taken a stand on that. If we're about anything, we're about chewy hard shells, okay? <laughs> My bumper sticker is plain on this, people. <laughs> no, I've never heard of this movie. Never heard of this movie. I remember hearing a, a thing or two about it. I didn't really know what it was. The poster did not you know, grab me, uh-huh. um, but spree, you know, I mean, it's actually be a good one for scare Daniel. I don't think we've decided what our next scare Daniel movie is yet. So this one is, it's in the mix. It's we'll in just the say running. it's in the mix. It's a, it, what's in the hat and we'll see what comes out. Thank you so much, Julio for the dare. If it's 90 minutes, it's almost a surefire thing. If it's, 90 it's a minutes, good under. bet. It's a good bet. <laughs> Thank you, Julio. Thank you, Julio. Very much. Now a feature program. <laughs> Dude, bro. Party massacre. Three. <laughs> Dared to us by Ryan L. Terry, big friend of the podcast, the man we're trying to find a boyfriend for. What's our hashtag on that? Did we settle on Ryan's babe? No, it's get Ryan guy. Get Ryan guy. Yeah, get Ryan guy. We're not doing Ryan's babe. it's diminutive we're just trying to get rye a guy (laughs) or thry i i think i mean we could go three you know get rye thry guys Uh, try guys thigh guys he's into thigh guys well we all have our thing (laughs) ryan's most recent dare was spookies which was another horror movie he is professor horror he likes to send us this he's the professor horror, but he's working on that doctorate working diligently every day yeah, he's going to be out there. He will cure you. 
Why did Ryan decide to dare us do Bro Party Massacre 3? He says, It's a brilliant satirical horror film that riffs on the tropes of slasher films. This movie is so ballsy that it completely skips the first and second ones and goes directly to the tertiary installment. This hilarious campy movie knows what it is, and it rocks it. Furthermore, it gender bends nearly every element so that a group of frat boys instead of sorority girls can be tormented by the masked slasher. More than simply replacing the typical female characters with male characters, leaving it predictable and lazy, this movie feels both familiar yet fresh. More than a satire of 1980 slashers, this movie actually has many layers and delivers some rather thoughtful elements as well. Was IMDb as kind? Although IMDb doesn't crit- doesn't rate movies. <laughs> it just tells you the plot synopsis. IMDb's opinion on this? <laughs> In the wake of two back-to-back mass murders on Chico's front row, loner Brent Chirino must infiltrate the ranks of a popular fraternity to investigate his twin brother's murder at the hands of the serial killer known as Motherface. Yes, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Mm. And if you are like, what happened to Dude Bro Party Massacre 1 and 2? That's the bit. That's the bit. It's That's that it's it. the third installment of... Two movies that don't actually exist. It was directed by Michael Rousselet, Tom Jacobson, and John Salmon. Stars Alex Owen, Paul Prado, Ben Geely, no relation. <laughs> uh, but really, it's just created by the many members of a comedy troupe slash YouTube channel called Five Second Films, mm-hmm. uh, which was started by students at the University of Southern California. DBPM3 is based on a five-second short created for the website, and it is the troupe's first and to date only foray into feature-length filmmaking. They raised about a quarter million through Kickstarter, found a producer to match the funds, and the movie was ultimately budgeted at about 500000 The way they made it is every troupe member wrote some scenes, but they were restricted from collaborating with each other, and the star of the film, Alec Owen, who plays Brent slash Brock, assembled the screenplay from all of these disconnected scenes, although you would never know because it is so seamless. No, it feels like a bunch of people wrote fucking disconnected scenes. (laughs) In addition to the 5S members, the film also features numerous cameos, including Patton Oswalt, Andrew W.K., Greg Sestero of The Room, and Corky, your boy, Larry King. Hey, Larry. It premiered at the Los Angeles Film Festival on June 13th, 2015. It was released to VOD on July 7th, 2015. It has a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. Matt Donato of We Got Discovered called it, quote, a gratuitously dude-tastic showing of slasher mockery that's destined for a cult classic status. However, Heather Dockray of Uproxx wrote, quote, watch it and laugh or watch it and don't laugh. Just try to make sure you think about it. And then when you're ready, forget, end quote. I wasn't sure what that meant when I first <laughs> wrote the script for this film, but then I watched the film, and I still, still no fucking clue. Uh-uh. No clue what that means. Uh, Corky. Yeah. Uh, we know, based on your psychological profile, that oh. you will brutally attack one of these people. We know that. it's It's been done. I don't support it. I don't condone it, and I honestly don't know how you've eluded authorities across 13 states, but we're here, and it's happening, and we're going to deal with it, all right? Mm -hmm. So, who's getting your dander up? Are you telling Matt Donato, Donato, go there, or are you calling Heather Dockray, Dockray Cray? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, as you alluded to my psychological profile, my treadstone training teaches me to seek and kill all movie critics who I disagree with. I I can't fight that. I can't. I get headaches if I don't. I've gone through several identities. I gotta go with Heather Cray Cray because it Mm. her review didn't make any sense. Sense. Sure. It was pretty Cray Cray itself. Um, But that's totally apropos of this movie. Uh, I (laughs) the movie's pretty slipshod and crazy itself it it doesn't make any sense it is totally digestible for the moment and then there it goes yeah absolutely now i agree shades for me a velocipaster yeah Um, big time in in the kind of cheapness of it in the inconsistency of it of the kind of high volume of bits and low connect rate of Mm. bits you know um but also the fact that it just starts at like a 10 yeah. And it just leaves itself nowhere to go. You know what I mean? 
I think about Leslie Nielsen in Airplane. I know I mention Airplane all the fucking time. Think about Leslie Nielsen in Airplane. If, if Leslie Nielsen goes in and tries to be funny. Right. And screams every fucking line. And really, and there's comedy sound effects every time he touches someone or does anything. It's not funny. It's not really that funny. Maybe it's a little funny, but it's forced funny. It's funny in the film because he's playing it like Leslie Nielsen, respected character actor up to that point, would play it. Totally straight. And that's why it's funny because it's straight in a ridiculous situation. This is ridiculous in a ridiculous situation. It just starts at a level where you don't leave yourself room to go anywhere. Weirdly enough, I would have preferred if this movie kind of started straight or Mm -hmm. relatively straight and then just kind of spiraled out of control. Kind of like a cabin in the woods, but like really more satiric, goofy satirical. Absolutely. And then there's good bits in here. There's I laughed quite a few times yeah, in this me too. movie. But so much of it is like, it's really sophomoric. It's kind of obvious. And it's not always that funny. Like I say, the connect rate is not great. It's not great. It's pretty low, I think. Um, but it does connect. It does sure. connect. There are laughs. I think we're probably going to have another thing like Velocipaster where I enjoyed it more. Absolutely. But I think they really did themselves a disservice of the whole, you write this bit, you write that bit, mm-hmm. you, and then I'll tie it together. Because like you said, it starts at 10 because everybody's going for the gag when they're writing their bits. Nobody's thinking of a theme or an right. arc when this they're doing that. set something up. Yes, yeah, no. Absolutely. It's just hammering hard as soon as it gets out the gate because that's probably what they wrote their individual pieces or and screenwriter tied them together. You're right. I would have liked it uh, a little build to it. Maybe don't tip that it's such a heavy satire right away. Mm-hmm. And we and we'd be in there like swimwear. I mean <laughs> But I, I will say <laughs> the other thing I was like, holy shit, they're getting a lot out of the way very fast. And yeah. this was before I realized they were from a thing called Five Second Films. Because yes. I was like, oh, okay. I'm I'm a fan of editing for comedy. Like I, I like people who know they may not even be that funny mm-hmm. an uninterrupted scene, but the editing makes the humor. I'm a fan of that. That's fine. But when you have five second films, I mean that's their milieu. You know, they're doing a whole 30 minute dump in two minutes yeah absolutely um and i absolutely agree with you there it's uh, the editing in this movie the comic timing of the movie is actually really good yeah um, in space especially like kind of transitioning in and out of scenes i went back and i'd really you know me being me i had no idea what five second films was so i went back and watched a few of their really highly rated ones and they're really good at uh at getting something getting a joke from beginning to end in five seconds and having it be conceptual and, and working on a lot of levels. So I give him credit for that. That's why I also think this was going to be a tough movie to talk about and really kind yeah. of explain to our viewers because so much of it does depend on the timing, the tone of a scene. It's really fast paced. Jokes are coming hot and heavy. Uh, the story is not necessarily coherent or uh, oh no, not doesn't matter very much. They threw gags in every scene with the quick editing, and it knew what the yeah. They have chops. They have timing. Yeah, I agree. A couple of pet peeves for me mm, though, bring and them. this movie really brings them. Comedy sound effects. You don't. Like I'm them. not saying never, but boy, do they. It's just every scene, and to me, it just indicates a lack of confidence in the material mm. that you feel that every single scene needs to have goofy comedy sound effects in it. Uh, it's just, it's, it feel, it's desperate to me. Uh, and also kind of ditto the fact that most of the comedic beats involve people yelling and screaming and ripping off their shirts. This is another thing about like, nobody plays it straight. Nobody has gives himself a place to go as far as like up or down. They just start at the top and there's just, there's scenes where it's just people yelling at each other and you're like, this isn't funnier for you guys yelling at each other. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm being too hard on the movie, but if not me, who? Right. Um, I will also just say we've reviewed a movie on this show called Sleepaway Camp, which is another mm-hmm. movie we talk about a lot. That to me is a better movie, but also sharper and funnier in dissecting mm. slasher movie tropes than this movie. That's to me more honest less. And I don't even know if it was trying to fucking do it. <laughs> this movie's trying <laughs> and it's trying hard. All right. Should we get into it? Let's get to that chewy hard shell. Duty. <laughs> Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. So the high concept of this movie, in addition to being a satire of horror movies, is that 
the first line in the film and the first thing we see is text that says the film you're about to see was almost lost forever. So the concept is that this is the third film in a slasher movie series. It was made in the mid 80s, destroyed by order of Ronald Reagan and would have been lost if a Minneapolis teen did not record it off a basic cable channel in the mid 1980s. So it looks like it's shot uh, recorded off of a VCR and it includes these kind of snippets of fake commercials where obviously he was trying to cut out the commercials and yeah. was like, okay, it's back. Oh no, it's another commercial, you know, like you do. So that's the concept of this movie. It's almost like a found footage kind of element to it. Also with a Kentucky Fried movie kind of thing with a, yes. you had your previews, you had the movie in the middle, then you had a bunch of little snippets at the end. Yeah. Um, the credit come up, it's the midnight morning movie Yeah, there in Minneapolis. Uh, so the first shot of the film, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, is red solo cups coming together in slow motion and crashing. And it is just a bunch of bros having a pool party. <laughs> they, are, they are partying it up bro style. We get a shot cut to Brock, who is our fake out protagonist. Mm-hmm. He is wear- a yellow hat and shirt, backwards hat a shirt with uh, Greek symbols on it, and he's talking to a therapist, a female therapist, and he recounts the events of the previous two movies, right? So this is basically a recap type. This is our uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 Yeah, that's exactly recap. what I <laughs> So in movie number one, a panty raid at East Chico University uh, results in the burning and disfigurement of a sorority house mother who takes revenge against this fraternity, which is called the Delta Bi <laughs> fraternity, <laughs> which is great because they're all very homoerotic. There's a lot right? of that, yeah. Um, there's a Larry King cameo what that we fuck? see where he he plays the coach, yeah, who who gets killed. He was so, Larry King was probably so confused as to what he was doing, where he I'm was, sure. just in front of a green screen. Apparently, words. him and Andrew WK and uh, Pat Oswalt were have done a lot of cameos in five second films. Oh, okay. So they they have a a relationship there. So that's number one. In number two, the daughter becomes the killer. Right. So it's it's following a very logical yep. kind of pattern of slasher films. Um, we see this kind of, she steals her mom's face and she renacts revenge against the Delta buys. We see this series of really like, there's gruesome, grotesque, over deaths. the top. Like it's yeah. hilariously over the top. Well, it's yeah. not really hilariously over the top. It's over the top. It's very over the top. I shouldn't say, <laughs> I shouldn't say gr- maybe they're gruesome. They're not scary. They're played they're, for the, laughs. They're but just ridiculous because by the end of it, you're just seeing a river of blood shoot out from under the bed. Like yes. when a kid gets under the and it's playing on all the tropes. Teenagers having sex, teenagers yeah. being horn dogs, being bro dudes, and killings rampantly all throughout. Yeah. So he kind of wraps this up, and the therapist comes from behind and ends up slashing Brock's neck and killing him. So this is, again, I guess they don't really make too much of it, but we know who the killer is like right away there's no mystery whatsoever which like there's this whole like who is it and is it mother face and it's like well yeah like obviously like what the fuck really (laughs) (laughs) but that's kind of the bit so brock is dead brock's dead so who shows up at east chico university but brock's twin brother brent he's a loner not like brock brock was cool my first big laugh was when in the recounting of Dude Bro Party Massacre 2, Brock kills Motherface by lighting her on fire, and it just cuts to him, and he's just smoking a cigarette with a topless woman just hanging right on his shoulder, just chilling out. It's like they they were setting this guy up as the hero of all heroes. Like, whatever the situation was, that woman being topless was just totally comfortable hanging on his shoulder. <laughs> so Brent now shows up on campus. Um, we get... A cameo, another cameo, uh, which John Francis Daly, which I don't know if that's really even counts as a cameo, but he's- (laughs) He might be selling cameos for $20. He's hanging out with- He's hanging out with a guy who's just rubbing lotion on himself in a very strange way. And they they just talk and plot where they're just like, no, don't you know? That's Brent's twin, or Brock's twin brother, Brent. Um, Brent goes to the Delta Fry frat house. He meets his new friend- uh, quote unquote friend Nedry and Nedry Nerdy, right? 
Nedry Head Cheese. He's in a wheelchair. And he, he will not cuss. He's very, he's the innocent best yeah. friend. There's something about wolves, too, which I didn't even catch. This, the jokes, like, they come so fast that, like... It's so stupid. But yeah. I did notice a lot of this shit comes back. Like, they make good use of oh, stuff. Yeah. The wolves ate his legs and ate his the family. The wolves come back. It's yeah. a good bit. So this is where we get the first the first commercial break. And we just get these little... It's, they're not even five-second snatches. No. They're maybe, like, three-second snatches. So we see, like, a bit of a trailer for a movie called Pizza Goblins, which they advertise as getting two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> It's spookies, it's gremlins, it's ghoulies. Yeah. So back to the movie. Brent now is decides that he wants to find his brother's killer. So yeah. he decides to pledge Delta by where everyone kind of just keeps mistaking him for Brock all the time. That's kind of a running joke. I thought that was a good joke. The whole, like, they, everyone is very comfortable with Brock coming back from the dead. But once they find <laughs> out he's a twin, they just go, weird. Here's a just interesting thought. What, like, I think this is a key role, the Brock Brent role. And I don't want to, like, you know, pile Mm. on anybody here because they're all amateur actors, end of the day. This is where you probably really could have used somebody playing it straight. And instead, you you see him going for a joke or or a laugh all the time with his facial movements and with his body and with everything is just trying trying to milk in a very short amount of time, all as much comedy as possibly. Can. I think that's a valid where, point. Yeah, this is where I thought really it could have played better with a, an actual kind of straight man actor in the role. But what do I know? So yeah, Brent pledges uh, Delta by. We meet a whole bunch of the guys. We meet. Uh, I think his name CQ is the camera guy. He just always has a camera. Yep, ZQ. There's Todd. They call him T O Double D for short. T O Double D for short. He's the smart virgin. Yeah. Uh, so again, these are all kind of, they're flipping the script on this. So all of the kind of traditionally female roles are now um, male roles. His girlfriend um, is always trying to steal his virginity. She wants to have, yeah, she's pressuring <laughs> him to have sex. Uh, Sizzler is the vegan pledge um, that everyone just basically shits on. Spike the drunk. My uh, favorite. Derek, Derek is uh, just the handsome guy. That's Greg Sestero from the from, room. Yeah. Uh, and we get, a POV kind of ki- one of those sort of POV killer shots where you're there kind of sneak it up on someone and the camera's all kind of lurchy, but it's a fake out, of course, because it's early in the movie. And this is Samantha, which is Todd's girlfriend, as you said. She's a blonde. She wants to pledge the frat too, but everyone just like they all just hate her. They hate Samantha. Even yeah. gr- even Todd hates Samantha. And there's a joke about them going to Old Town Sacramento, <laughs> which. This is how you know it was made by people who went to a private school in Southern California. Because they say Sacramento and Chico, and it's hilarious. (laughs) That classic. Who would ever be in Sacramento? (laughs) Like, it's also, that's not a thing, Old Town Sacramento. That's not what it's called. We call it Old Sacramento. Yeah, that was... That was somebody's secondhand joke in their family. Like, oh, go to Old Town Sacramento. (laughs) This is also to me where the the comedy sound effects really become noticeable because the movie's sort of I mean not really settling down but it's kind of getting into the actual story of the movie. Um and again it just feels like a lack of faith in the funny and that's that's what a lot of what is going on here is sort of that milking it kind of thing. They and they're hitting every kind of gag. They're doing subtitle yeah. gags. The guy speaks in French for no reason just to have a subtitles gag. Uh, the so subtitle gag. So he said something in French, and the subtitles say, "Help! I'm forced. I'm trapped in a subtitle factory, and they're yeah. making me st- like." That's a Bazooka Joe rapper fucking joke. <laughs> that's literally a Bazooka Joe joke. Like just, my god, they were just shoehorning every single joke. Like they everything, could. Everything. Everything. So they go into Brock's old room, uh, which Brent wants to take, but in comes Turbo. Yeah. Turbo does a lot of screaming. I thought he was probably the funniest of all of the screamers, but he does a lot of the screaming. He's he's very much at a 10.5. And it's Turbo spelled T-U-R-B-E-A-U. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they play a, a prank on him. He's very he's very uh, aggressive, right? Like, I don't know. I, I guess he's the Bluto of this group, you know? Like, he's just kind of in everybody's face. Um, but there's uh, they do a prank on him with a baby dog, yeah, uh, stuffed animal, and he's scared of baby dogs. So anyway, yeah. yeah, there you go. So they do another prank. They're forced to do another prank. Brock and Turbo, where they go to a college radio station, and 
tell the dean that she sucks, but they accidentally go to the airport <laughs> instead and crash a plane over an <laughs> orphanage. <laughs> so there you go. So they, in the next scene, are getting reamed out by the demon, who is played by Nina Hartley. So this uh, is one of those things where it's kind of like the in-joke is that she's a porn actress and she's playing the dean of a college. She's actually probably the best actress in this movie. She this, can ha- she handles the scene. So much more gravitas <laughs> yes. than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> so she says as punishment that she's going to cancel Greek Week, which someone complains is like Easter for men. Oh, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so she says that they can go to the abandoned sorority house by the lake. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, well, there's no real reality to this movie. It's like, yeah, exactly. Everything yeah. is a bit. Everything is a joke. All bits. Uh, and this is where Brock kind of comes back in a vision and tells Brent, go to the lake. Like, go to. You have to go to the lake. So he all has right. to convince you didn't need that. You didn't need that because then he has to convince everybody to go to the lake. They yeah. could have all just been ready to go to the lake. Yeah, you know, another thing. This movie is 102 minutes long, which the credits are really long because again, this movie was funded by Kickstarter, so they name every single person yeah. in the credits. So the credits are like 10 minutes long. But still, I went back and looked at the running time of like Airplane, Top Secret, the Naked Gun movies, Hell's a Poppin'. Yeah. All the 83 minutes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Just in there and out there. That's what you need. Don't fall in love with your own shit, guys. So the dean, after she sends uh, the kids to the sorority house, the abandoned sorority house by the lake, calls Pat Oswalt, who is in like a satanic hood and is talking in Latin. Uh, Motherface is now listening to this. Motherface is a woman with like a burned face. Cause remember she was burned up in the first movie and like a, a, a bright curly blonde Dolly wig. Parton wig. Yeah. Yes. And she's wearing like a plaid shirt with the sleeves cut off. Yeah. Hey, you know what? As far as like iconic horror movie looks, <laughs> this one could catch on. I could yeah. see this one being one that you see on Halloween. <laughs> so Motherface listens to the call and then kills the Dean. So, uh Oh, here but see, the, the, the whole police side story did yeah. not need – you didn't need any of this. Certainly didn't need so much of it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I probably shouldn't be quibbling with the fucking plot of Dude Burrow Party Massacre 3. But we were talking about length, and yeah. you could have trimmed all of this out. There's some oh, good yeah. laughs, though. There are some good laughs, but you certainly didn't need so much of it. Um, but yeah, it does turn out Patton Oswalt is not some satanic person. He's the local police chief scheming to get rid of the Delta buys once and for all. So he calls in coked out cop Officer Sminkle, and this might explain why there's so much of this. This is the founder of Five Second Films, Brian Ferenzi. Oh, is it? Playing the role of Officer Sminkle. So that might explain why there's so much Sminkle. Yeah. And then Officer Buttaker, who is played by Maria Del Carmen, also a 5SF uh, member. Who I was surprised is not a porn actress because of the way she acted. (laughs) Didn't, Didn't really do good with dialogue, this one. Not so much. A lot of struggling. Uh, So they need Sminkle, who, again, is just a coked out lunatic, to be a virgin sacrifice. Yeah. So they convince him that the Delta buys are bags of oranges. Sure. And since Chico is going through a vitamin C shortage, he should go turn them back into oranges by bopping them on the nose. Yep. (laughs) And he's like, all right, great. Let's go. I'm going to say this right now. I have friends who love to write just weird, random comedy sketches this whole oranges thing yeah was funnier than i expected like they they got the right jokes out of it they it's, really went with it it's really so ridiculous it. but they get yeah. they have the good enough people handling it like Patton oswald sells it a bit and yeah. then at the end they tie it back up i i was so ready to fucking good. hate this bit but i know i i was okay with it that's no, a good a good nonsensical kind Not of a comedy. Completely bit. nonsensical. Total non sequitur. So they're heading out to the woods. Um, there's a song playing called Nobody Is Gonna Die. Yeah, I cracked up at that. Oh, we, we should also mention that uh, in the dean's office, she read them out for their prank. So this prank caused oh, yeah. two planes to crash and an, on an orphanage. And she says that their previous pranks involved blowing up the dam 
and flooding Old Parchtown, right. which is now New Lake City. <laughs> and another one of their bits involved deposing a Central American dictator. <laughs> That's their prank, yeah. <laughs> their, their sophomore year prank. So they're driving in to what is now called New Lake City. It used to be Old Parchtown. It's now New Lake City. And then we see the population sign 1,074 is crossed out and written in 74. But see, in, in every shot, no matter if the shot's like uh, three seconds or 10 mm. seconds, you're getting bits. Like yeah. everybody, it, the drunk guy is the guy who's driving the RV. They yes. They stole samantha's rv to go to this like it's just everything reminds you of jokes that have been set up they all hate samantha what was samantha doing she was making a cake of them fucking because she's going to take his virginity (laughs) at the lake (laughs) so this is my actual favorite bit of the movie because it works it has a beginning it has an end it, it all it white and it's Patty the paddle boat owner, Patty the <laughs> paddle boat salesman. As they come up, is grieving his dead family, who they have all killed because yeah. they flooded this town. But at the same time, he's appreciating the prank. He just keeps going back and forth from like, "Oh my god, my children are dead. That was pretty good. You yeah. guys got us. You got. You guys us. know that because you killed them." This like, let's take a picture. He says, "Make it goofy," yeah. and then they're like, "Oh, okay." So one of them starts humping the gravestone. <laughs> And did you see like uh, there? There's one part where he's like, "Yeah, put your arm around my wife," and the guy's like hugging the gravestone. But the name on the gravestone that he's humping is Patty Paddington Jr. <laughs> it's like even the names are about paddle boats. <laughs> so yeah, it's this whole thing where he'll be grieving, then it looks like he wants to kill them, then he thinks it's funny, and he just keeps going back and forth with it. And the scene even has like a perfect button where. Motherface is about to shoot him. He's just yeah. paddling along, whistling, seemingly happy with the world, paddling on this lake that they've created with all the corpses underneath him. She's about to murder him with an arrow, and then he puts a gun in his mouth and kills himself. <laughs> and she just has to walk away. I like uh, the other bit right here is that they've all left, and they wouldn't take uh, mm-hmm. Nedry on the paddle boat because he's in a wheelchair. And they're like, no, yeah. fuck you, Nedry. I think I saw a paddle boat for uh, for disabled people like 20 miles away. They cut to – you've forgotten about him for a while. They cut to him. He's just wheelchairing through the fucking forest, <laughs> just pushing himself on it. Yeah. And he's like – he won't cut, so he's like, ah, monkey butts. <laughs> So the cops are also heading out to the sorority house by the lake. There's this whole bit about he sees a kid and he gives him a copy of Grapes of Wrath and tells him to run. And then a bit a thing about how he wants reading made him go bang. So he wants to bang children on his bang bus. Yep. Yeah. Not a good bit. Not a good bit. (laughs) No, they really fucking shoehorned that bit in. (laughs) Sure did. So briefly, we meet. Andrew W.K. of the song Party Hard fame as Ripstick. Yeah. And like his name comes, he gets a, a freeze frame, his name shows up on there. So it's they're kind of setting him up to, I guess, be an important part of this movie. Um, although you would know that he isn't because it's Andrew W.K. <laughs> someone asshole from Five Second Films. So he's not going to be on set for more than a day at most. Andrew W.K., Let's. he's really leaned into the bit of who he is, right? He's Absolutely. the party hard guy. He's the Party hard. The, yeah. You use that song for a beer commercial or <laughs> the sequence in a movie when you want people to party <laughs> hard. And he's just going to bro it out wearing his white jeans and jean jacket. Yeah. Good for him. And there is a moment where you think his – party hard is going to come on because so they put on a tape oh, yeah. that says clean hard and so there's this kind of clean it up montage yeah. and they flip it over and it says party hard but it's just some other generic as album. guys as guys who grew up in the 80s i think we can both identify with the cleaning montage song absolutely uh, bit where they're just got every movie where there was a montage where they had to clean <laughs> something up maybe save a rec center and over the course of a day they they had a little bit of hijinks while they were trying to clean but there was that song that was going to go on it that's what kept them going the hijinks kept them going uh but so while this has happened brent is going through files which yeah, is just right. nonsense obviously uh whereas uh samzy mm. who is uh this kind of it seems very ptsd he was the one uh, survivor he was a survivor, yes. He knew he was Brock's best buddy. And he's kind of just keeps eyeing Brent. Um, so we don't know exactly what's going on there. So now we're partying. We're, we're dude bro partying. 
and the power goes out. So Derek, again, this is Greg Sestero from the room. He is lured out to the tool shed, even though he says he hates handyman work because his father was a handyman or something like that. And of course, he's just lured out and killed by Motherface. What I did like here is that Greg Sestero, the handsomest uh, person of anybody in this fraternity, as he's walking out, he gets his sweater yeah. caught on something and it rips apart part of his midriff. So just playing on that idea of like any excuse to get the like female in one of these movies undressed <laughs> for the flimsiest <laughs> oh! of reasons, just like just rips off so to expose his lower half of his shirt. So he's see he's kind of a void of charisma, even though he's oh so pretty. Oh my god, isn't he? <laughs> he, can, he can suck the life out of any dialogue. So I wasn't quite sure what that was, but now I get it. Yeah, he's not much with physical comedy either. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, he's done. Um Brent has this memory of him and Brock dancing uh, together as like before prom and they dance together uh, and it's kind of amusing the way they kind of cut it together in like sure. the kind of cheapest way possible. They, there's a two shot and they're like, let's dance. But then they like stop before they actually get to the middle of the frame where they would be cut off. Cause it's like a whatever good bit. So uh, they run out of beer. Oh my God. They run out of beer. Spike freaks out, runs out into the woods, but CK uh, camera guy and, CK ZQ ZQ <laughs> you're just giving them you're giving them names of old Calvin Klein colognes so ZK. Andrew ZQ no that's uh, just ZQ ZQ and Sizzler uh they go out to get some beer but first they force Sizzler remember this is the the Pledge. Uh, vegan uh pledge and they all just kind of abuse this guy he's forced into the beef box because mm-hmm. he's never beefed it has a glory hole for the mouth. It's just a cardboard box they make him wear. So him and ZQ go yep. out. There's this whole bit where he feeds him a carrot uh, through the box, and then he looks at him and just nods and nods. If you're wondering what beefing is, exactly. That's the whole thing. It's kind of it's intentionally left vague. He's got a beef because everybody else beefed. Some beef before they even got in the beef box. <laughs> But it does end with him feeding the carrot and it kind of does this family guy humor where it just lingers way too long and the humor is from the ridiculousness of it staying on this ridiculous yeah, shot. He just keeps nodding and nodding, but then you see his arm just keep going and <laughs> yes. going and going. Um, so Ghost Brock now leads Brent into the attic. Clues. And the clues are just a bunch of newspapers with exceptionally on-the-nose headlines. I loved local boys enjoy Local friendship. bros enjoy friendship. <laughs> Which is Brock and Samsy. And up in the attic, there's Samsy. So Samsy says, let's dance. So they dance together. And it ends with Samsy falling and breaking his neck. And Brent being like, oh, shit, I got to cover this up. So he just puts <laughs> puts a sheet over him. I thought this was really weird. But later on, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. Because Samsy acts so weird, mm-hmm. you don't notice that he's acting a different weird in this scene. Yeah. So Spike, you remember he ran off. He's freaked out by the lack of beer. He gets baited by a keg in the woods. And then Motherface, he's like, where's the tap? Motherface sneaks up behind him, slams the tap into his head, pumps it, and then pours him his own blood. Yeah. Some creative deaths in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really go for it. They, there's two guys that we haven't discussed. Yes. That are talking because they about, just show up. Yeah. They, yeah just there's there. just these two characters. They're not broy. They're actually more intellectuals. They're not into drinking beer and partying. They're just always talking to each other. And they're talking about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, is such like, a great joke. It is a really good throwaway joke. Because uh, it's just two guys, two extremely unimportant characters yeah. in this movie. You know? They are the they are the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in this movie. Um, and then all of a sudden, Samsy shows up. You're like, oh, shit. Samsy's okay. All right. Whatever. Uh, and who else shows up but Samantha? So, yeah, there's a character named Samsy and a character named yeah. Samantha. And they have nothing to do with each other. I don't know if that was a bit or just bad writing. So Samantha shows up. And well, she's when got you're the, writing a movie from like different locations and you can't look at sure. each other, that shit's going to happen. <laughs> Samantha shows up with beer, but really she wants to fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, of course, projecting his virginity, but they kind of force him to go out and camp with her. Uh, he's fucking her. They do trying the to think about anything but women. <laughs> they do the Austin Powers 2 bit where it's yeah. lit up from inside the tent, and it's, it's supposed to look like they're fucking, but no, they're really fucking. <laughs> right. Uh, she, like, turns demonic. Yeah, because she just wants to get pregnant. Come. She just wants that baby. Um. 
but then he gets uh, impaled as he comes, and he falls. She falls asleep, and he dies on top of her. Uh, ZQ and Sizzler now get trapped in the woods by Motherface. Motherface uh, traps Sizzler underneath a tree, and then pulls him and rips him in half. Um, Sizzler beefs, and then <laughs> breaks out of the box, grabs the camera, and runs. Whatever that means. More hijinks with the cops who. They ran over a guy and they had to clean him up, but they are able to start the car and then they immediately crash the car and they fly into the lake. I was I was not happy when every time it cut back to the cops, I, even though there's some good jokes. Like even one of the funniest bits in there to me in the movie is when he's like, I sleep with my eyes open. It's a thing. And then the guy actually does a pretty good physical comedy bit of just staring at her and you realize yeah. he's gone to sleep, but he's just got this <laughs> weird look on his face. <laughs> So the next morning, the bros jump in the lake. They splash around. They frolic They're in the lake. Still the in movie their jeans. objectifies them uh, in a classic sort of a way. The guys, uh, remember, there are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern characters. They are One of them wears a plaid shirt, and one of them wears a black turtleneck. And they are wearing the plaid shirt and turtleneck <laughs> while for, in the lake. ZQ shows up. His lower half zip lines. Yeah. Over the bros, raining blood on them. I and thought that his, was funny that it's still, still blood is still coming out of this man. Still coming out. <laughs> his torso falls into lake. It then there's a whole kind of a like mo- uh, I don't know if animation or modeling or whatever. It sinks to the remains of Old Parchtown, which is yeah. at the bottom of this lake. Crashes into a building, and then all these corpses just bob up a and, church. and pop up in that the water. Yeah, church. a church full of corpses. Which, to me, I was like, this is way too smart of a joke for this fucking ridiculously dumb, grotesque movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that they brought that bit back, and it's just to have all these bodies pop up while they're frolicking in the lake. Yeah. So they now look at the video a little bit, and there's this whole bit where they're like, enhance, enhance, which is <laughs> a thing that happens in movies that you can't actually do, especially in the 80s. Enhance, squint. And who is it? It's Motherface. And you're just, yeah, it's just like, fucking hey, guys, of course it's Motherface. Like, yeah, yeah. They're just figuring this out. So we find out what Brock killed in the ab- attic was Samzy's identical robot, a robot that he built to be identical to him and then he goes to find it and freaks out runs out of the house Motherface shows up of course she throws a, a head through the window then chases down samsey shoots this kind of thing into his head that makes him remote controllable and forces him to rip out his own tongue and then shit himself and die yes and uh you were talking you were complaining about the the sound effect humor yeah i was really impressed that it took him this long to get to a shit sound (laughs) they were saving it that's restraint what what restraint so then motherface uh says as she's tossing uh samsey into the lake she says you killed my mother and my sister so there's you know the answer to that like you cared (laughs) um butterker this is the lady cop um it seems as though she's gonna go this like the movie kind of it's like it's missing a scene here where they came out of the water. They're just out of the water now, Butterker and Sminkle, the cops. Uh, she is resurrected by his virgin tears, but then Motherface sneaks up, brains him, and drags him off. And Butterker feels bad because it's all a setup um, for Sminkle to be sacrificed in a demonic, satanic ritual, which is never clear what the fuck the satanic ritual is supposed to do. Why have this? Yeah. So. I haven't mentioned it, but there are probably f- six or seven scenes where somebody rips a shirt off. Yes, there <laughs> are. This one, Samantha and Brent are hanging out. Samantha says, I'm cold, and Brent rips off his plaid shirt and drapes it around her in a way that makes it seem like it's a cutaway or something like that. It's or, almost – it, or no, that is a joke from The Naked Gun where he pulls it at yes. the collar and it just comes right off. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Um, so – now it's Sizzler's turn to get it. Sizzlers are, are vegan here. So Motherface kills him in the bathroom in right in front of a rabbit, which is a rabbit in the sense that the you know gopher from Caddyshack is a gopher, eating his vegetables. So she forces him to eat his own heart, which he doesn't want to because he's a vegetarian, and then flushes his intestines down the toilet. It's getting gross just for the sake of being gross yeah. that his, his intestines are flushed down the toilet after he has to eat his... I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't think I, I... You know what? I didn't need to explain it 
afterwards why that's gross. So Turbo, no, his story kind of comes full circle. So remember he was scared of the little kind of small dog thing. He hates uh, fluffy dogs. And it turns yeah. out it's because he has a fluffy dick. Th- this part made me laugh. He, the guy's <laughs> delivery of that line was pretty fucking good. Because it, it was just being really weird. And the guy's like, what's your problem, man? And you're not expecting him to go, I have a hairy dick. <laughs> And break down crying. Kudos. And then he ends up shooting himself, I think. Does he? Turbo? Doesn't he? I thought he got killed. Oh, he finds a thing with one bullet. Yes. Yeah. Did he shoot himself he, on purpose? Yes. Okay. He puts the gun to his head and a, the dog on the other side. So I don't know if he was trying to shoot or whatever. Okay. Um. So yeah, bye-bye Turbo. You, you, you can tell how much attention we were paying near the end of this thing. <laughs> It's not a big deal. So Samantha and Brent are all that's left now. Um, so they, of course, Spooky's style, split up. Let's split right. up and yep. search. This <laughs> It's like, great idea. You got to. Great idea. Um, so they even, they, they're kind of searching for, I can't remember who they're searching for. Um, Sizzler, maybe? Or Samzy? I can't remember. But they're searching for one of the bros. Um, and they actually walk through some scenes that have already happened, including yeah. the flashback scenes. Yeah. Um, Samantha shows up. She says, oh, couldn't find anybody. And then who sneaks up behind a mother face and impales both Samantha and her fetus, which yes. is already growing in her <laughs> belly. <laughs> That's why I was saying the fucking her while he's getting killed is going to come back. Because now she's pregnant with a fetus. Ten hours later? So, yeah, boom. She's gone. Brent runs off. It goes to commercials, and Brent is still searching through the commercials. Um, or uh, no, it was a bit for a newscast or something like that, a talk show bit. That and Brent walks in, still searching for somebody from the earlier. Oh, something. yeah, he walks into like the movie thing. Um, Turtleneck Bro and Flannel Bro die, and they're kind of doing commentary even as they're they're dying there, right? Like, they're they're there's a whole bit where it's like, you don't even know our names. He's like, uh, Turtleneck Bro and Flannel Bro. Good guess. Yeah, exactly. They're still they are named that. <laughs> they but they're really still are. keeping each other company, just bullshitting. Yeah. Uh so Brent is now cornered in the woods by Motherface, and he gives his theory that Motherface is actually Ronald Reagan. Because <laughs> all these clues about the uh, various pranks, the Central American prank and the dam and all the other stuff, uh, and rips off his Motherface mask, and it actually is Ronald Reagan. And he jumps up, says, I solved it, but it's a fake out. He didn't actually solve it. Of course, it's the school therapist. Of course, we know that from the first scene. She's been using their fears against them. So the fluffy dog and the robot bit and the handyman bit. He was still wrong because he was like, he was saying it was Turbo as she was pulling up. <laughs> right. To be the therapist. Um, using their fear against uh, this whole thing with uh, Z, ZQ, ZG, ZQ. ZQ. ZQ, where he's ziplining. And at the time they were like, wow, he got over his fear of, his fear of heights. Uh, go, go ZQ. And then they flash back to it and the turtleneck bro and flannel bro are like, did we establish that? We never established it. They're like, <laughs> whatever, this is a mess anyway. So like they are acknowledging it. Yes. They acknowledge it and they're not wrong. It is a no, mess. Um, is. So yeah, whole fourth wall kind of joke there. Um, Brent looks like he's done for, but Nedry, Remember Nedry? He just shows up again. He's made it. He's, He's finally made it on his pals, wheelchair. a bear with him. He's learned how to control the animals. And he cusses. Nedry, you're doing it. You're cussing. Yes. He's cussing quite excessively. Um, but Motherface kills him and the wolves who he's made up for drag his body away. Yes. To, yeah. to eat. Hey, Corky, don't worry. We're getting back to Butterker and Sminkle. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. So Sminkle, remember he's a virgin, so Butterker fucks him so that he can't be sacrificed they have sex i did laugh we we skipped over it earlier though when butterker dies and and sminkle saves her because he says virgin tears and they drip mm-hmm. on her face and that wakes her up like virgin tears have the magic ability to bring you back from the dead <laughs> so brent again looks like he might be done for since nedry saved him and now nedry's gone but who shows up ghost brock Ghost Brock and all of the dead bros. They're all kind of, you know, Anakin Skywalker, yes. blue light ghosts. 
Uh, and he says, and let they even kind of push Samantha's in. ghost out of the, yeah. out of the frame. <laughs> let them all in. So the ghosts all enter Brent. You're doing it. And this turns Brent into a very muscle-bound man who picks up Motherface, slams her on the ground, and just punches her about 50 she times. Just oh, shockingly beats her down. So, boom. There's the end of that. Um, back with the cops again. Patton Oswalt, here he is again, screaming at the cops, and then goes in another room and kills himself. Um, when Buttaker makes her big reveal of the movie and says... We can't be in love because I'm a bag of oranges. Search your heart. You know it to be true. And then all these flashbacks of their scenes together. And in it, she's just a bag of oranges that he's talking to. <laughs> she says, you have, you know what you have to do. He bops her on the nose and then she turns into oranges. Yeah. And then we get flash cuts all over uh, whatever city. Chico. Chico. And so it starts oranges. raining oranges. And it's just handled normally. Like, well, it looks like our orange shortage is over. And then we cut back to Sminkle, and he is juicing an orange and crying. And that's the end. That's, that's your movie. Well, it's not quite the end, because boom, uh, we get a little bit of a button on that uh, Ripstick. Because remember, Ripstick, uh, during the cleaning montage, Ripstick goes up to the roof. This is Andrew WK's character. Climbs up the roof on a ladder, and then somebody immediately takes the ladder away. And then we cut back to him at the end, and he's still on the roof. Oh, I didn't even catch it. That's good. That I like that even more. Yeah. So there you go. A lot of these jokes, I mean, they do seem kind of non sequiturs, but a lot of them, there is a button on them. There is a little bit of a, a, a little twisty tie on yeah. these jokes. But that's it. That's your movie. It's Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Corky, any final thoughts before we give our ratings and wrap this sucker up? It is very low budget. I will say that when I, I put on Tubi and I accidentally got the movie, the Paula Patton movie, Traffic, and it starts with her walking into a club and dancing seductively. And I was like, do I have the right movie? <laughs> this looks way too polished. And no, I did not. So when I when I saw Dubro and I saw the quality, yep, I was like, yep, this is the right movie. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to add uh, Traffic to my Tubi uh, queue. It's Traffic sure. with a K at the end. At least the first five minutes. Just to remind everybody, a run-of-the-mill movie, we give that a scare. Next level bad, double scare. And a movie we actually like, reverse scare. Corky. Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, let's hear it. We're kicking off the fourth annual Scare Daniel. I got, I got to go reverse scare on this. I talked about it way more positively than mm-hmm. I than I even mm-hmm. expected I would. While I was watching, I'm like, I'm actually enjoying myself more than I'm not. And I'm not picking shit apart. I'm giving it that out. It's supposed to not make sense. They lean into that bit. I'll reward that with them because they paid it off. It's better than Velocipaster, even though we compared it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funnier than Sleepaway Camp. I like Sleepaway Camp more. It's going to stick with me more than than this will. But I thought it was funnier. Uh, it's my sense of humor. It's it's juvenile, but with enough... Like the Rosencrantz Guildenstern joke, you're not going to get that in a real sophomore juvenile movie where they don't know what the fuck they're doing so yeah i gotta go reverse there i would recommend this i would say if you want to laugh you could spend some time with this one yeah the only my only complaint really uh where the sminkle parts went on too long mm-hmm. and that leans into my other complaint of the runtime being it did not need to be this this long yeah i think i'm i'm actually kind of there with you i was i was really back and forth on this and i was prepared to go with a dare because while i did like it a lot Again, the the swing rate to connect rate ratio is not super great. Um, but at the same time, in talking about it, and maybe this is just because in talking about it, we're talking about the highlights and leaving out the dozens and dozens of jokes that fall completely flat or that yeah. we didn't even catch. But I think in talking about it, I've almost talked, I think I've talked myself into a reverse, a reverse dare. I still have some Ooh. reservations about kind of the the comedy levels of this movie. I still have some reservations, especially about the use of comedy sound effects, which I, I just, it's a pet peeve. I, but, you know, in talking about it, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of bits here that actually are, are kind of funny. For a first movie mm-hmm. made for a half million bucks, I'm going to go ahead and say reverse dare. That a boy. You know what, dude? Think about us like when we were, I don't know, 12, 13, we would have fucking rented this when we were hanging out. We would have totally watched this movie and talked about it, watched it many times over. You know what I mean? That's who this movie's aimed for, and I think it hits the mark on that. The other thing is I think Ryan, who has been a little upset with me shitting on movies he likes before, (laughs) I think this is going to be the opposite because I think he's like, you guys can totally trash this movie. I hate this. I don't really like this movie that much. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie, but... 
I would love it if Ryan got pissed that we were like actually liking a movie that he was like, no, I wanted those fuckers to trash it. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. I'm I'm cutting at a break for a first movie. Atta boy. But 5SF, folks, if you make a second movie, be better. Okay. Yeah. Be better. Maybe talk to each other beforehand. Just a, just a scooch. Just, you know what? Hash out a few details. No Samanthas and Sam's. <laughs> Settle on some levels, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to give it a, it's on the cusp. It really could tilt either way. But I think just in talking it out and talking with you, there's there's enough there for me to say, you know what? Yeah, reverse stare. Reverse scare. Reverse scare. Hey. That is all we have for you on this episode of Scare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your spookily, horrifyingly, gleefully gruesome, grotesque movie scares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, collectively known as The Schmied. It's a great time saver. I don't have time to tell you right now. Just trust me. Like and rate us on all your favorite podcast apps. Read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website. It's at daredaniel.com. Corky, what are you doing? You're out there. You're trick-or-treating. Sure. What's your deal? I'm performing at all haunted sorority houses that are on the <laughs> lake conveniently, which weren't a lake prior to the senior prank that flooded a small town. So this was perched <laughs> upon a hilltop very high above the church. You'll catch me there performing, doing my, uh, I have a robot who I, it's a duplicate of me. It's up in the attic. So, you know, we're doing a little two-man thing. Probably going to do a little bit of the uh, Harpo marks looking in the mirror thing. <laughs> Lots of fun. Classic bit. Classic bit. For Scare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, I have a hairy dick. <laughs>